Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, y'all ready for another week of some Penn State football talk? I don't have to get ready because I stay ready, Jim. <laughs> You're always ready for it. You know what? We always talk about this during the off season. What are we going to talk about next week? And there's always news that comes up. So we're going to have our news and notes segment. Then after that, Dusty, something we are going to call reading between the lines. I think if you're a Penn State fan, you'll understand what that means. You get a lot of comments from the from the head coach, James Franklin, from the assistant coaches. And we are just lucky to have the experienced sports writer, Dustin Hawkinsmith, who's going to be able to interpret all of that for us. You've got to be able to read the tea leaves, don't you, Dusty? And I will do it to perfection. It's a guarantee or your money back from this program. Every, all zero cents and dollars you put into this program, you will get them back if I'm wrong. But it is, you know, I, I do think, and Penn State fans, and not even blown smoke, like if, if you're in the business of trying to tell Penn State football fans something that they don't know, it's a really hard thing to do, Jim. You know, it's a base that generally follows along great with the recruiting stuff. Knows the team very, very well. So you hope that maybe like my experience with it can kind of spin things in in one direction. But I think everybody's used to playing this game of seeing what James Franklin says or what one of the assistants says and trying to make heads or tails of what he's trying to achieve by saying it now. And that's the gist of it. A lot of it is based off of uh, recently, but about a week and a half ago, James Franklin and his assistants all uh, met with reporters. And so there's a bunch of quotes out there just about some key positions and things like that. We're just going to try to figure out what those quotes mean. Very good. But let's let's get to the news. And Dusty, as I always do, the full disclosure, we are recording this, the uh, chain of events from the weekend's recruiting, Tysir Denmark, a wide receiver from the Philadelphia area who had been a commit to Oregon for quite a while, visited Happy Valley, and as of this recording, he has decommitted from Oregon. And speaking of reading the tea leaves, while he's visiting Penn State, he decommits from Oregon. Again, as we're recording this, no commitment yet. But reading the tea leaves, that's a pretty good sign there, isn't it? Boy, we're not going to stop reading the tea leaves on this show. And the recruiting is full of these situations. But there, this seems like a pretty easy read. Uh, you always you stay ready, speaking of staying ready, to be surprised when it comes to recruiting and, you know, 17-year-old kids or whatever. But uh, my, my thing is this. I, I feel like Penn State is clearly pressing hard to try to make an impact uh, at wide receiver on the recruiting trail. You know, Denmark's not the only one. I think there's some other names out there like Nick Mars that they're pushing forward. And it seems like this is a real priority and they're pitching it hard. And uh, it looks like it looks like as of as we sit here again right now, that it's a pretty successful pitch um, so far. And this I, I think that would be great news to Penn State's recruiting class and the future of the offense. You look at all this uncertainty and you're not sure if you have enough talent, uh, high end talent at wide receiver. It looks like they're 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 out to change that. And as we've looked at this class of 24 for Penn State, 
wide receiver was obvious because of how empty it was, the no recruits there. Part of that is a new coach coming in. Everything is going to take a little bit longer, and, but it looks like the dam is ready to burst and open up. So we'll keep an eye on that. Where we don't have to read the tea leaves, a Dusty, is we've got another safety commitment for Penn State, another good get for the Nittany Lions, and being the good guy I am, I'm going to let you pronounce his name. I'm just going to, and speak, I think I would rather read tea leaves than, than this situation. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Vabu Tori. Let, you know, commitment number 17 in the class. We'll, we'll listen and try. And I, I know um, T Frank Carr uh, probably knows this better than we do. So we'll get the pronunciation later in the week, but uh, good safety, man. That's a, this is a, this is a good commitment for Penn state. I think it's number 17 in the class. It is number 17, and it's the second safety, and it's the fifth defensive back because I believe they have three cornerbacks in this class. Boy, it just, that recruiting machine just keeps churning out these players. And along with uh, Dewan Lane from Baltimore, 6'3, 195 guy, that's two four star safeties in the one class. That is a pretty good streak they've got going back there. Yeah, and you know the the defensive backs are, are are key. I think at this moment too, you know, cornerback trying to restock that depth chart uh, at safety. If Dewan Lane stays there, he's going to profile as more of like the box safety, heavy hitter, hybrid safety linebacker, whatever you want to um, say he's ticketed for. He's going to be a different player than Tory is. And I think Tory, the thing that jumps out is his coverage ability. He he moves like a cornerback, and I think can make a play on the ball as well as anybody that we've seen them recruit at that position. So I think you look at uh, the types of safeties they have too, and he can be that center field type guy. And it's something that they haven't recruited a ton of, uh, but at at six, one 190 pounds, I mean, he's, he's pretty well built for that now. And his skill set is, is definitely different and should fit in there pretty nicely. All right, Dustin, let's move on. Something we talked about all of last week as it was ongoing Ethan Grunkmeyer, the uh, Penn State quarterback commit, he went to the Elite 11. He earned the right to go there. And for those who don't know, I believe they get about 20 quarterbacks there. They go through some training and they get ranked again. And at the end of it, they come up with the Elite 11, the top 11. And Grunkmeyer, all the word coming out was that he was doing well. And to confirm that, he was one of the top 11. He made the top 11, which I think is great in, in the first place. You get um, competition that, that goes through pretty much who's who at, at quarterback. And so he, to be one of the top 11 certainly is a, a higher projection than where he's listed by most recruiting services now. Uh, on three had him as the number three performer of, of the group. And maybe that was relative to what they expected or something like that. But uh, if you watch some of the film out there, there's a, there's a good bit of Twitter video of him in action. And he's just got a, a pretty easy, uh, easy, easy going arm with, with good, easy power out of it. And uh, you know, he's another guy where Penn state struck before he really hit this part of the curve. And he hit this part where he, where he's validating himself at a national level. And certainly it looks like what, when they reevaluate things, which typically I think will happen before the season begins. Uh, and then maybe after the season is over, obviously too. 
Uh, Grunkmeyer is, is he he should be on the rise, and I would expect him to be a consensus four star here pretty soon because he went out there and he showed that he is right there with high high level guys, and you know it, it, I don't think you can really justify him being a three star anymore. Yeah, I don't think there's much doubt he'll become a four star for those who are very concerned about that, which I am one of those, be- and I've talked about it quite a bit on this show. The quarterback recruiting history at Penn State has not been great. Drew Aller has been really the outlier. You can say that uh, they've identified guys who've turned out better than their ranking. I get that, but they haven't been getting elite guys, and I had some concerns. It looks like, and we'll pat Mike Mike Yersich on the back for this one, just like Drew Aller, this appears to be his guy. Another part of this, which was interesting, Dusty, is they apparently bring some receivers in. Someone's got to catch the ball when all these quarterbacks are throwing it. And one of the guys who was there was Luke Reynolds, who's a three-star tight end out of um, New England who came in. and Or I think he may even be four-star, depending on the ranking. I know that you liked him quite a bit. Apparently, he turned some heads at the Elite 11 event also. Boy, I, I, and I think this was another thing for him. Like, it was a good opportunity, you know? And I think the word coming out was that he worked hard. He looked good. He looked the part. Uh, and I think it's, for him, it's just opportunity to get himself in front of evaluators because he just hasn't had all that much time and opportunity to do that because he's a converted cornerback who's just now going to be a full-time tight end. So I think... He helped himself. You know, I think he was, he was in the process of helping himself anyway, but I think he really um, cemented that and, and was somebody that, you know, he didn't blend into the background. Let's put it that way. Like he, he looks very, very good uh, in these situations. And I think, you know, to your point about three stars versus four stars, you know, you can say, Hey, I trust the coaching staff or star ratings don't matter. Most people when, when there's a difference between a three-star and a four-star, is going to feel a lot more confident having a fourth-star than, than being a three-star. That's just the way that it goes. Recruiting services don't get everything right. They fall short in some areas. Penn State, you know, I think their evaluations generally um, are better, obviously, than, than the recruiting services. But it does make fans feel more comfortable knowing that the services see what the coaching staff sees. Dustin, I do not think it's a coincidence. We talked about blue chip ratio uh, with Andy Shea, and the rankings came out for this coming season, and the three top teams are Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, who are considered the three top programs in the country. Let me think. Oh, yeah, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. It's not a coincidence. Yes, you could tell me all you want about the three-star guy who turns into a superstar. I get it. Give me a team of four and five stars. We'll beat your team of three stars every time, Dusty. Uh, One last note. This came up last week. Uh, Derek Plaz with decommitted offensive linemen. It's time to bring out the we hardly knew ye. June 11th commit, June 15th decommit. It happens, Dusty. I don't think anybody's heart is uh, broken here. No, no, I think with with guys from from the South, uh, especially when there's a bit of a pinch, you know, there's a run on offensive linemen. He probably felt a little bit of pressure to to give his commitment. 
and reevaluate. I think I, I typed this out wrong. I think there was 11 days. He was committed June 4th and was committed for 11 days. I think I typed that wrong, but either way, less than two weeks um, being committed, you know, they're still in pretty good shape along the offensive line. I liked him. Uh, I, 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 did, I think he still, you know, had, had some work to do, but Penn State's got four offensive linemen on the bo- on board already. Could be a fifth if if they use um, Caleb Brewer from Wyoming on the offensive side. They're still in, in just fine shape there. They can take on another project there, a long term developmental guy. Uh, it was nice to have Derek Plass for those eleven days, I'm sure, but I don't think it's devastating to have him commit. You know, whether that's to Miami or NC State or wherever, wherever he decides to go. No, this isn't one of those big losses, and I don't want to make light of it that oh, good, he's gone, but. In the realm of recruiting now, decommitments are part of it. If you're going to have a decommit, we're okay with this one. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number one. Lots more to go. We got Dusty reading the tea leaves coming up in quarter two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. Quarter number one, we took care of our news and notes. Now it's time to read between the lines. This is where we take all these comments we've been getting from the coaching staff over the last couple weeks, couple months, and kind of interpret them according to Dusty. What did they really mean? Let's start with this, Dusty. Uh, James Franklin used the word excited about his group of defensive tackles. It surprised me a little bit, and I'll give you my quick take in general which is James Franklin is actually more candid and truthful, I believe, with his quotes than a lot of other coaches are. I don't know if it's just us old guys. We're used to Joe Paterno, who used to tell us the backup quarterback was the, you know, the best player on the team. He it always that was his little 
psychological game he seemed to play with the starters. Always the backup is who he would talk about. So you always just took what he said and reversed it. James Franklin, I think, yes, there's a purpose in what he says, but I've been amazed at how candid he is. When he highlights a player and brings him up unsolicited, you say, you know what, I better keep an eye on that player. So with that said, Dusty, James Franklin's excited about the defensive tackles. Are you? I, st- I still have questions about this group. I mean, as, as he's rattling off the names, you can kind of think about, okay, uh, Jordan Vandenberg, if he truly is as a redshirt sophomore, ready to kind of take a leap. And I think Chuck Losey said he was up to 302 pounds. He's listed as 286 pounds on the roster now. Uh, they like what Devon Ellis is doing. He's north of 300 pounds. Kaziah Izzard, you know, listed right now at 291. I don't know where he stands going into training camp, but uh, you've got you've you've got a fair amount of talent there in, in that group. Uh, then you throw in Hakeem Beeman, who has always kind of played a little bit bigger than that 256 he's listed as, but. Um, they don't have a lot of a lot of beef there at, at tackle. Uh, if Beeman plays bigger than his size and Vandenberg plays with he plays with pretty unbelievable effort. Um, if Zane Durant plays a little bit bigger than his size and he gets a little bit bigger, I mean, I don't know that this is a big glaring question. I still, no matter what James Franklin is saying, I still just have questions about teams like Michigan and Illinois. And I think we talked about this last week. I think their their tackles are good enough, experienced enough, and talented enough against most teams to, to get that job done. But if they're going to get picked on relentlessly by run-focused teams, I, I'm not sure if they hold up over four quarters. I, I really don't. I mean, you're going to have 320-pound offensive linemen. I, I, I like the idea of having – guys who are 290, but, you know, over the course of four quarters, you're going to be wearing that 30 extra pounds on a rep by rep basis. I just don't, I still don't know um, about some of these run, run heavy teams. Uh, and that's still a question. Like I appreciate James Franklin's excitement. I think mentioning Jordan Vandenberg's name uh, specifically uh, is something to watch because I, I, I like what I've seen. And if he has gotten that much bigger and stronger, you are looking at a guy who, um, who's going to make the grade physically in addition to the fact that he plays with a, a pretty hot motor. So I, I, I think I, I like bringing up Jordan Vandenberg. I like these other guys that he talked about. Zane Durant could be really, really good uh, this year. Uh, but again, I think just the, the lack of, of high-end size uh, when when you're going to be going against guys who are going to outweigh you every snap, I, I still have questions about that. I just do. I think that's legitimate, Dusty. What we know of this Penn State defense and watching it, where is there a weakness on it? If you have to find one, I would say it's the size and strength right in the middle of the line. There is not that 335-pound guy who just anchors the middle of the defensive line. Everywhere else, they're studs, they're stars, defensive end, linebackers, DBs. We're very excited about it. But yeah, if all of a sudden uh, a team like we saw Illinois do a couple years ago where they just turned it into a rock fight against Penn State, that's scary to me. And Michigan, as you pointed out, the difference is if they have, if they outweigh you and are stronger than you at the line of scrimmage with their offensive line, remember, 
They also have a couple really good running backs, perhaps as good as Penn State's pair, and they've got a pretty good quarterback, a guy who I think some people think is the best quarterback in the conference. So, you know, they've got a lot of weapons beyond doing that, so that scares me a bit there too. Yeah, and, and, and I like to think that, okay, Manny Diaz can dial up some run blitzes or he can, he can send some of those talented linebackers uh, up the gaps, up the middle. You can do some things to, to work your way around it, but I just don't think that that is 60 full minutes of, of gimmick can, can, you know, it can hide a lack of size. And, you know, it, it's crazy to sit here and say uh, somebody who weighs 302 pounds, they got, they got a couple of, it's just not big enough, but in today's football, I mean, with the size of these offensive linemen, and I, and I can appreciate that Hakeem Beeman plays bigger and Zane Durant plays bigger and Jordan Vandenberg plays bigger, but I still feel like it's it's just about mandatory to have a P.J. Mustafer who you're not asking him to play bigger than he is. You're just asking him to play as big as he is. You, you, you need that guy. You need somebody who has to be accounted for and who has to consume uh, two blocks uh, on a lot of uh, a, a lot of downs, so they don't really have that guy. Um, it, it's a unique challenge for Manny Diaz. I think he he earned a lot of confidence from people last year. I just don't know how many workarounds there really are for this particular situation. Uh, exactly, and I will add one thing: we're excited when we hear that these guys have gotten bigger and stronger, and I think they have. And I think. Akeem Beeman specifically, James Franklin has talked when he talks about these guys uh, not wanting to get bulk up, get any bigger because they want to be Aaron Donald. I think he's talking to Akeem Beeman specifically, but also my point being, we're going to see some of these guys now weigh over 300 pounds. Like I believe that was the case with Jordan uh, Vandenberg, but let's remember what time of year it is. This is the time that they can bulk up, they can get stronger and put weight on. They're headed towards summer camp and into the season, which is where they will lose some of that weight. It's just the natural cycle of things. So before you get too, too excited about that, go ahead, Dusty. The the rumor is, and this is inside information that I would appreciate you didn't repeat outside, is that instead of a water station with these defensive tackles, it's going to be a gravy station this summer. So hopefully, hopefully they can maintain that weight. The unfortunate thing is Jim would vote for that. Too. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would visit the gravy station. I would. <laughs> this show is a very heavy advocate for the gravy station. <laughs> Let's move on, uh, Dusty. I was a little bit curious about some of the talk about uh, 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 Davian Collins who was the cornerback transfer from Mississippi State. They went to the transfer portal after they lost Storm Duck, another player we didn't know very well. He didn't stick around very long. And they're not the same player. Storm Duck was experienced, ready to step right in. Collins has really no collegiate experience. And interestingly enough, he also wasn't on Penn State's radar coming out of high school either. So Terry Smith talked about him bringing a different set of skills, their speed and athleticism there. What's your take on it? Uh, To me, I I view him as kind of the pace setter for this group of freshmen, for Elliot Washington and uh, Zion Tracy 
and Lamont Payne. Like I, I think he's the guy who's got a year under his belt, a year of physical development, a year of, of learning at, at a power five school at Mississippi state. He he's somebody, he's, he's a guy to beat. Um, you know, you, you can stack your skill against him if you're one of these young cornerbacks. And I think that maybe it just makes the competition on the bottom half of the depth chart a little bit better. You know, it makes the competition for, let's say, that number five job a little bit better. Uh, didn't have a, a, a real long, impressive offer sheet coming out of high school. I don't think he had a very long, impressive offer sheet uh, in the transfer portal as well. Penn State went shopping. They liked him enough. I, I don't think they would have taken him just because they needed a corner. I think they saw something they liked in him, but I'm not sure he's the guy that, that uh, he's not Storm Duck. He's not Johnny Dixon. Let's put it that way. Uh, maybe he can he can step into a, a role and and develop and bring something a little different, as Terry Smith said. But I wouldn't expect a ton for 2023. Uh, but maybe he's got a shot to develop in, in this system and be a contributor in 2024 moving forward. I mean, there's going to be opportunity beyond this season that's not quite there right now. Uh, he's going to be a, a, a nice piece to the competition in addition to those young corners. Yeah, you know that Kalen King will be gone. Johnny Dixon will move on. Even Daquan Hardy will be moving on after this year. So it completely opens up that position. So you would think he may... From Collins' perspective, coming to Penn State, he may look at this and see two things. One, there's going to be an opportunity there perhaps after the first year. And second, he may also be looking at Penn State's development of defensive backs and say, you know what, that might be you know the home that I want for development purposes, which is a good sign for how Penn State is recruiting players. Yeah, and and I think they definitely have developed well. You know, you look at uh, some of the recent success stories. You know, I think Daquan Hardy is a success story. Uh, I think Grant Haley is a success story. You know, Joey Porter Jr. arrived with talent and length and all those things, but I think he's a success story. Penn State does have some blossoming history of having a, a, a large majority of their cornerbacks arrive and come out the other side better. So that, that I'm sure helped. I think Penn State was probably the, the best offer that he had out there. Uh, Penn State, I, I don't think, you know, reading between the lines, by the way, I, I think it felt like, not desperation, but they, they, they had a need and they had to fill it with the best possible player. And that was all Davian Collins. Doesn't mean he's going to be a great player. Just means that they liked enough uh, of what they saw to, to bring him in. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he's somebody to watch. Uh, but I do like some of those true freshmen behind him. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep holding them off. It, it will be interesting, but the other name that I think should be mentioned here is Johnny Dixon, a guy who came in also as a transfer with a couple years of eligibility left, and he has developed into obviously a starting cornerback at the collegiate level and perhaps something even more. I don't know yes. about you, but I'm very impressed by Dixon. I think he might be able to play at the next level. Anyway, that is it, Dusty, for quarter number two. Stick around. We got a lot more reading of these tea leaves. Stick around. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. 
So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. We are taking a look at all the things that the coaching staff has been saying about the players through spring and into the summer. Because it's not like we get to watch the team work out every day through spring practice. It's very limited. So you've got to take what the coaching staff shares with us and figure out what the meaning of it is. Sometimes it's just the mere fact that a name is brought up. I mentioned this earlier, Dusty, that when James Franklin would unsolicited bring up a name, pay attention. He doesn't do that randomly it usually has meaning to it and I'm going to give the same credit to Manny Diaz who all spring we've been hearing about uh you know one of the linebackers Tony Rojas we haven't been hearing about this other freshman running back by the name of Tamir Robinson and part of that even though he may have been highly regarded he missed most of his senior year in high school so due to injury So he was overlooked a bit because he wasn't on the field. Plus, he was dealing with injury. My assumption is, look, this is just a redshirt guy. He's not going to play his first year. It's going to be about rehab. Lo and behold, he was on the field for the spring game, which surprised me. Got a lot of reps and appears to be getting a lot of love from Manny Diaz. He's a nice-looking player, too. And I think it's worth being said that these players who missed their senior season— I think we have to get out of that mode, and I'm stuck in it too. I think we have to get out of that mode of assuming they're a non-factor in year one. Because I think that I think the medical science has improved so much in the recovery and the and the art of um, performing these surgeries, whether it's knees or whatever. The the recovery process has gotten a lot more refined, and in a lot of cases, especially with these high end athletes, they're making it back well within a year. They're making it back well short of, of a year in a lot of cases. So I think he's a player that I hadn't given a lot of thought to um, just because it's almost like out of sight, out of mind because he missed that senior year. And that's how recruiting services tend to operate a little bit. Also, you know, I, I, I just, 
I, I just assume with the injury that we wouldn't see him at a hundred percent in the spring or the summer, but it looks like he is uh, an incredibly unique guy because I think at one point in time, correct me if I'm wrong, he was a safety at Brashear yeah. uh, high school. And then he played more of like an edge rusher type role. He is huge at six, three at, and 237 pounds, but he also, it seems like he's got a, a wingspan that's longer than that too. I'm, I'm curious to hear somebody address that at some point. That's just what it looks like with his arms. Uh, so he takes up a lot of space, but he moves very, very well. He moves like that. That's uh, former safety. Uh, I, I didn't have any thought of him moving inside and playing middle linebacker, but He's got a ton of upside there because he moves so incredibly well. Uh, when he gets where he's going, he he does it with a lot of force, kind of like how Abdul Carter was last year. If anybody can pull off anything that remotely resembles what Carter did last year, um, it, it's a guy like Tamir Robinson, uh, somebody who wasn't appreciated enough on the recruiting front. Um, you know, I, you're looking at, at him at that spot. You got Kobe King and Tyler Elston there. You've got guys who, uh, both played a pretty good chunk of snaps last year. It's going to be hard for a true freshman to unseat those guys, but maybe over time, he just proves without a shadow of a doubt, just like Abdul Carter did last year, that he is the best guy for that job. That'll be really interesting. And that really is, uh, something that, is a best case type scenario for Penn state is to have another big time talent emerge in the middle there and force these things along and at least round out the depth chart and give them another, another big option. But I was still a little surprised that he was mentioned as a player who could compete in year one for all those reasons, but he's an exciting player. And I think that unique background can show up in, in a, in a pretty awesome way uh, at middle linebacker. And Dusty, I am going to go into my overgeneralizations here, okay? Yep. On offense, I love these guys who had experience at quarterback and then play another position. The reason for that is if they were a quarterback in high school, even though they don't have the big arm, they're not going to go to the next level as a quarterback, it means they're probably the best athlete. They're probably also pretty smart guy, knows the whole offense, knows what he's doing, and then, like Tyler Warren, ends up a, a tight end. And we have that, a, again, with Luke Reynolds as a guy moving from quarterback, right? So I like those guys. Now, the generalization I'll make on defense, if you've got one player who's had time at defensive end and safety, and then they moved him to linebacker right you know, prior to being injured, this is a guy we trust with all his different skill sets. That, to me, tells me he's probably a pretty special player. Yeah, and experience playing in a lot of space and experience playing with a blocker right in front of you is, is a good... Because uh, at middle linebacker, you're going to be dealing with a lot of traffic. You're also going to be asked to not be a liability uh, on passing downs if you want to be on the field for all three downs. And then the other part of it is, I don't think we're even having any of this conversation if Tamir Robinson isn't a mature guy who's capable of leading too, if he's not that player at his core, like, yeah, I'm sure he's got a long way to go in terms of making the calls and, and being the, the key communicator on defense. That's a lot to ask any freshman, especially one who hasn't played middle linebacker before, but I, I don't think Manny Diaz even mentions him or considers him as a middle linebacker type. If he weren't kind of a natural leader too. So I think just the fact that, Robinson is mentioned in this conversation is a compliment to him. 
And this is what we're talking about by saying reading the tea leaves. This is what we can interpret from Manny Diaz pointing out this true freshman who missed his senior year in high school because of an injury. That stands out, Dusty. We've been talking about the defense. How about we switch to the other side? And the most talked about player probably on this Penn State team, it's the quarterback. It's Drew Aller. And James Franklin, I think, used the word poised to describe him. We already know he's big, he's strong, he's got that great arm. It was interesting to hear the word poise, though, in the description of him. Interesting, uh, not surprising. I think if, if people have listened to our show, we have talked about some of these moments that James Franklin mentioned. Week one, going on the road, being like a surprise uh, starter in the second half when Sean Clifford can't, can't come back out. Uh, and Drew Allard did not have wide eyes at all. It's a road environment. I know it's uh, it's Purdue, it's West Lafayette. You're not talking about the swamp or Alabama or any of these like electric places. But at the same time, you're talking about a game that's kind of a must win on the road against a pretty good team, uh, a night game against a crowd that's that's into it. Uh, so Drew Aller had to had to rise into that situation and not play like a freshman, and that was not a problem at all. And you think about the transition that he has to make from being a really toolsy guy to being consistent, to being a leader, to making uh, the right reads and the right calls and, and, and knowing situations and knowing what he's seeing on a down-by-down basis – um, against against the defense that's primed and ready for him. That's the transition he has to make from from talented backup to, to starter, and he has to do it over the course of four quarters. And I think what he showed at Purdue, and again, I will say it again, um, I think the way that he carried himself uh, at the blue-white game, when things really weren't going all that great for him, uh, you didn't see any slouch shoulders. You didn't see his head go down. You didn't see him beating himself up or throwing anything or losing his cool. He stayed very, very even in these situations. And I think that it really is a check mark in the right column. We talked about it before. James Franklin said it again with that Purdue game. And I do think that that is something that you either have it as, as a freshman or you don't. And I think you have it as a quarterback, I, I would say too, or you don't. Uh, I think, you know, interestingly, Christian Veyu, uh, when he went on the road to, to Rutgers, wasn't a starter in that game, but didn't blink at all. That was great, and it showed what he had intangibles-wise. But what he has tangibles-wise is dwarfed by what Drew Aller has uh, in terms of his big arm and stuff, and how he can change the game with that arm. So I, uh, to make a, a, a short story even longer, I think, uh, you know, those intangibles, uh, I, I think, can really make him a special quarterback. Never mind the fact that he's not just a big arm. He knows the position. He can move pretty well. He can throw off-platform, off all that stuff. I just think what, whatever you can glean from a short number of snaps, Drew Aller's shown it. And, you know, Dusty, I'm not going to contradict what James Franklin said by using the word poise to describe Drew Aller. <laughs> but I'm going to use a different word. I'm going to use the word instinct for the game. When you talk about players either having something or not, and I'm going to bring in Sean Clifford, who, by the way, I'm more of a Sean Clifford fan as opposed to a critic of his, but I know he doesn't have the same big arm that Drew Aller does, but I also think there were times Sean Clifford didn't have that quarterback instinct. I do think he was poised mostly, 
but I felt like he just didn't have that natural, instinctive way about him. Yeah, when I watch I, Drew Aller, I feel he does have that instinctive ability. And I think it's it's the way that he makes plays whenever things kind of go wrong, whether that's pressure in his face or a wide receiver falls down or, you know, if it's not scripted, I like his chances of responding better to it than I did Sean Clifford. And it's one, I think to, to be skeptical of how good Sean Clifford is and how good he can be over these years is, is different than being critical. You know, I don't, I don't think he did anything beyond the shadow of a doubt that, that said, hey, he's our, our, our number one guy. He's our best guy. But uh, Drew Aller, I think I, I, I agree with you. I think he feels the game a little bit better. Uh, I think he get, he's better uh, w- when things break down, which is often at quarterback. You know, it's often it's guys in your face. It's whatever. Uh, I think Drew Aller can feel the game a little bit better and doesn't have to force himself to comprehend and understand what he's seeing because he feels it. Uh, and he kind of just has that inherent kind of feel, as, as you mentioned, the instinct. And the one play that I think really stuck out in my mind, if you remember the touchdown pass to Khalil Dinkins, and I can't remember who they were playing, but Dinkins was wide open. The pass was insignificant. I mean, it was a pass any collegiate quarterback could have made. It was the pocket collapsing. He stepped up very easily, very naturally into an open area to give himself the opportunity to make that throw. That's what I'm talking about with instinct. And, you know, I'm not comparing them as quarterbacks, but the guy I always think of with the instincts to be a quarterback was Dan Marino, for those who are old enough to remember him. He wasn't that athletic, but you just watched him move within the pocket. He knew what he was doing instinctively. And that's what I feel like we can get with Drew Aller, especially as he gets a little more experience. All right, Dusty, that is it. We've got another quarter to go. Stick around. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back for the fourth and final quarter of the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. We're doing a lot of reading of tea leaves, Dusty, we're, and we're reading between the lines. We're taking some of the comments from the head coach and the coaching staff. We talked a lot about the defense. We've now switched over to the offense. We talked about Drew Aller at quarterback. And I kind of want to lump this couple different comments about the running backs together. There was talk by Juwan Sider, running backs coach, about Nick Singleton, Catron Allen. And then we had some comments about Trey Potts, the transfer from Minnesota. So it's an interesting dynamic going on at running back. Let's first start, though, with Singleton and Allen and the things that Juwan Sider had to say, starting with the phrase, there's no separation between the two. My interpretation of that is um, I think Catron Allen might feel some type of way about being viewed as 1B or 2. And I think you can look back at last year and say both of them were pretty close to being equally important. And the roles that they play and the strengths that they have, I think you can make the case that they're equally important. You need the guy to grind out yardage. You need the guy uh, who's instinctive between the tackles. You need that player to consistently stay ahead of schedule and move the chains and grind out those tough yards and all those things. Um, I also think I think it was Catron Allen who was more active in the receiving game too, for whatever that's worth. But I think this is kind of going to be a constant battle for um, Jawan Sider is to is to make sure that both of these guys feel equally valued by him, even if everybody on a national level uh, is giving Nick Singleton All America or All Big Ten recognition or he's Big Ten Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to go out of his way, and this won't be the last time that he goes out of his way to make sure that Catron Allen is mentioned as being an important part of this backfield. I think there is separation between those two guys because I think one skill is more premium than than the other, but I think this is this is something that he just wants to make sure that everybody knows Catron Allen is important, his skill set is important, and he's talented in, in his own right. I got no problem with that, but I do think just uh, – uh, speed pays, and I think that that's true for anybody. And because of that, you know, Nick Singleton, just like last year, for example, I think Catron Allen was closer to uh, his ceiling earlier than Nick Singleton was. Nick Singleton took a little bit of time to find that consistency that Catron Allen had right off the bat, but Catron, uh, but Nick Singleton still had you know, more yards on fewer carries last year than, than Catron Allen did. There's a premium tool being able to break a 50 plus yarder and Catron Allen, he doesn't have that tool. And so I think that will always be a separating factor, but I appreciate what Jay Wan Sider is trying to do here. However, Dusty, I will say this in your sentence where you said Nick Singleton had more yards with fewer carries. There's a lot that's in that phrasing. Nick Singleton. Yes. He's the home run hitter. You're not going to get those 50, 60, 70-yard runs from Catron Allen. And yes, that does matter. But I also think there's a reason why Catron Allen got more carries, okay? Yeah. That wasn't random. It's It was for a reason. And as you said, they do different things. And I'm not going to say 
Catron Allen is as important or more important than Nick Singleton, but I think he's treated with that same status in the locker room, in the running back room, and that's why he gets as many carries as Singleton. And part of the reason why Singleton can hit those home runs is you have Catron Allen hitting those singles and doubles. And, and I was, I will put it this way. And this, this outlines, I think the value difference or the, the similarities in value, I should say. Uh, I think Catron Allen is a much better bet to get pick up four yards on any single play, but he's a much, much worse bet to get 30 on a play. You need both. You know, some, sometimes you have a back who's capable of both. Uh, and I think Nick Singleton can become that back. I don't think Penn State's really going to ever ask him uh, to be that. I think they, they love having a grinder, uh, like Katron Allen and Katron Allen is great at that role. Like I think what we saw from Noah Kane as a true freshman is what Katron Allen is, but I think Allen's a little bit better at doing it. You know, he just, he feels the game uh, very, very well. He seems to know where the little creases are. He knows how to squeeze between them. He knows how to make a little bit of a, uh, a jab step and make a guy miss. He's, I, I don't think he broke one for more than like 27 yards last year. He only had a handful of, uh, of 20 plus yard carries. So he's not going to take the top off of defenses, but he is going to soften defenses up for the home run hitter and vice versa. I think the home run hitter is going to, is going to help him be better at what he does too. So there, you know, in, in J1 Sider's eyes, I think he really feels like there is no separation because they both bring something uh, to complete the Penn state offense. They do, Dusty, and you know what? If you want to debate who's better, fine. You go ahead and debate that. I'm a Penn State fan. I'm glad you're both on my team, okay? Which leads us to the third running back, and we forget that early in the year last year, um, there were two additional running backs on this roster and who were upperclassmen who transferred out and you were left with just the two freshman running backs. Fortunately, there were no injuries that they had to deal with. But that's a little tentative if you've only got two running backs you could count on. Enter Trey Potts. From Penn State's side, it's pretty obvious why they wanted to bring him in. It's obvious. Not quite the, as obvious why Trey Potts would want to come here, though. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's what was cool about, and this was Jay Sider's version of it. Uh, was just talking about what he told Trey Potts. Uh, he said, we we got two freshmen who are really good. I'm not saying you can't compete with them or you're this, but they're really good. And he said, Coach, I want to be part of a program where we can play for Rose Bowls, have a chance to win, and I love Penn State. I want to come close to home. Who can argue with that? You know, I, I think uh, Jay Wansider said at the end there, he, re- he respects that line of thinking. He's realistic about the situation that he's arriving in. On paper, it doesn't look a whole lot different than, than Minnesota, except Penn State is more likely to win at a higher level. It is closer to home, him being from Williamsport. And he can really bring some value. Like, I, I think Trey Potts that's coming in is a better runner than Devin Ford and Kevon Lee uh, both were. So in that respect, I think he's going to be probably a more productive number three running back if that is his role um, than, than Penn State had. So they went from having this huge question mark as far as who's going to be that third runner to really finding a solution in the transfer portal that was just about perfect. 
So I respect where Trey Potts is coming from. I think he can still be a contributor. I think he can still accomplish whatever goals he has for himself. Uh, I think he can still pick up a fair amount of work because Penn State's going to have incentive to take the load off these freshmen whenever games um, say that they can. So I think Trey Potts is a really important guy and why he arrived at Penn State, if it's according to Jay Wan Sider, is for the right reasons. And you know what, Dusty? I agree with you, and I think they will find carries for him as that third back. They've done it in the past. His true value is, God forbid, something happens to Singleton or Allen, then you've got a number two back. Not not even both. That. Not even both. Right. One injury to one of those guys, and Trey Potts becomes very, very important. Exactly. And they were very fortunate last season not to have that happen. Dustin, as long as we're on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, James Franklin's been talking about it quite a bit at wide receiver. He made a huge statement by getting rid of his wide receiver coach, making a replacement there. He's looking for depth. I'm going all the way back to the blue-white game, post-blue-white game. He had some comments about Omar Amari Evans that he might be that third guy stepping up. And this, of course, was before Dante Cephas set foot on campus. So instead of reading between the lines, I'm going to go with another cliche here, which is connecting the dots between what James Franklin said. He spent a while at his post-blue-white press conference talking about Omari Evans. And obviously what Evans did in that game grabbed headlines and it stood out and it was impressive and it made you think, you know, about what role he could play. And obviously with that third wide receiver role up for grabs, he became an obvious name. James Franklin repeated that. But the interesting thing about what he said was that uh, he said for the last week and a half before the blue white game, they moved Evans into that spot. And obviously the blue white game, uh, Franklin said was something to build on. So he ha- so to, to indicate that Amari Evans was maybe starting to show himself before the blue-white game, doesn't that remove a little bit of that fluke feeling to it, that he was starting to show it behind the scenes as well, then showed it at blue-white? Like We talk all the time about how you can dismiss stat lines from the blue-white game, but I think that makes it a lot harder to dismiss what Amari Evans did and how Penn State views him, that they were already kind of looking in that direction. Yes, very much so. There's that... Way put flukish type thing for the blue white game, especially at receiver. It's how many targets did you get, how things work out for you. But the fact that he already showed something prior. But I'm also going to go back a little bit further, Dusty, which is as a true freshman coming in, he had played mostly quarterback in high school, correct? Yeah. For him to get on the field, burn his red shirt his first year. That tells you he had already impressed the coaching staff. Now, he has that weapon of speed, so that's part of it, that singular skill. But they wouldn't put him on the field unless they thought he was prepared for it. So that was already an indicator, I think, Dusty, that they saw something with him, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'll say something similar about Amari Evans that I did for Tamir Robinson. I said, Tamir Robinson, they don't talk about him at middle linebacker at all if he doesn't have a hint of leadership about him. I think Amari Evans, I don't care how fast you are. If you have no clue how to play the game, you're not seeing the field as a true freshman. I respect, like, the, the speed, it's hard to find. He brought that. Great. That's fine. For somebody who didn't have a lot of experience in that department coming out of high school, 
who was learning on the job very much so. And I know he didn't do a ton. He didn't record a lot of statistics or whatever. But as you mentioned, like that is a pretty good indication that he's got a good feel for what he's doing. He just has to continue to learn the techniques and learn the position. Uh, The fact that Penn State allowed him to do that uh, as a true freshman when they didn't really need to, like, I don't think he was forced into action because they didn't have a body here or there. Uh, I think they just liked him enough. I mean, I think that said a lot too. So those things all together should add up to you taking Omari Evans as the third wide receiver pretty seriously, not just, you know, being a body out there, but I think being a pretty good third wide receiver too, before too long. Exactly. And again, I'll go back to Jim's overgeneralization. If a kid is playing quarterback at high in high school, when he's not going to be playing at the next level, there's a reason for it. There's knowledge, instinct for the game, athletic ability, some of those things. And if you're moving from quarterback to wide receiver, you probably have an instinct for that position and an understanding because you were a quarterback. Dusty, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.